My name is Bradley Guys. And my name is Adam Pringer. And welcome to the Hot Swap. Welcome to episode 15 of the Hot Swap. And uh, let's go ahead and get into what you've been doing this week, Adam. Um, okay. On the weekend, I picked up Box Box Boy. And I played so much of that that I beat the entire thing. I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, I put about 11 hours into it, and it's a $5 game. Oh, that's I feel awesome. Like, I feel like that's a, that's a good value. I and I had... I had fun the entire time, so I, I can't complain. Um, and uh, it's more Box Boy. And th- the concept is that you can create two sets of boxes now. And uh, it really does add another layer of complexity to the game. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if the first one did this, but there was a point where usually you had a limit of being able to make a set of boxes, maybe like two sets of three or even two sets of two. At some point they made it to where you could only make two sets of one, like really late in the game. And that was one of the most challenging parts of the whole game Hmm. Uh, because you were so used to being able to do all these specific things with multiple blocks that once you were limited to using only one at a time, it, it, it really affected the way I thought about getting through levels. It was kind of interesting. Um, but if you have played the first one, I highly recommend getting the second one. If you haven't played the first one or the second one, I would recommend if you like puzzle platformers, if you're as big a fan of maybe the Pushmo series as I am, then this is right up your alley. It's made by HAL Laboratories, and you can kind of tell. Mm-hmm. It has it has that feel to it, really. Um, and while I don't think that the music overall is anything really to write home about, it it fits well with the world. Um, and it, it's uh, I really like the the music it plays when you finish a level. It's kind of a catchy little tune. Uh, I like hearing that whenever I beat a level. But other than that, the music's kind of just there to make sure you're listening to something, and it it doesn't overbear the game. So I think it works well. And I I don't really have anything else to say about that. Okay. Um, I know that you started playing the second or the first one. I did. That's actually the first thing on my. I guess we'll go ahead and smush them together. And yeah, yeah I I could. Uh... I could see how being able to do, you said you could do multiple sets now, could really open up the game because 
like when I got to I think chapter two is when there started to be a lot more danger and I was actually having to start making L shapes out of my boxes so I could see how um, it'll be really cool when I could do two sets in the next game and I could also see how you're saying how challenging it could be when they limit how much you can do because uh, some of those levels you do get right down to the last few that you have unless you're really careful. What's nice about Box Boy that I've noticed though is that you could at any time tap L and R together and restart the level. So if you want, if you're kind of a perfectionist, you know you can kind of make your way three quarters of the way through and you go, okay, I got this down. Then you could just restart and then really nail it. So I am trying to get the perfect scores in every one That's when good. I can. Uh, yeah, I really like it. Uh, yeah, I agree. You could tell it's a HAL game. It's got a lot of character to it. Even though it's all black and white, they do a really good job of uh, showing, like, facial expressions and all the different box characters. And um, all the effects and stuff look really cool. They really use uh, grayscale well and make it, you know, it doesn't feel like you're playing a black and white game, even though it is all completely black and white. So, yeah, I mean, dude, you've talked about Box Boys so much. I finally... I was like, I gotta play this game, and I'm loving it. I think it's really cool. I'm gonna keep playing it, and I wish I could cap it for the channel, but it's on my 3DS. It doesn't have a cap card on it, so. Yeah, I don't really have much else to add. I mean, you've you've gone over it a bunch, so all I can say is that I'm enjoying it. Yes, I'm glad you are. Um, and uh, I played a little bit of Shin Megami Tensei, but I'm still in Chapter 2, so th there's nothing really to talk about. I've leveled up my characters, added some new skills to them, and getting prepared for the first boss fight, like the mini boss of that chapter. So I, I don't really have much to talk about on that. And uh, then, of course, uh, the biggest news for me was that we finally got to play Splatoon together. A ton. We played a we, lot. We, we did play a lot. And this was nice on multiple levels for me because we have not played a game together in a really long time. Yeah, that's true. And I haven't played Splatoon in a really long time, and mm -hmm. I like doing both of those things. So it was yeah, uh, it was cool, and we Skyped had a lot the whole of time. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, <laughs> we, yeah, we um we did voice chat, and uh, more or less we were just ban you know we we're just talking and stuff, but we weren't really talking too much about strategy or anything like that. No. Um. But it made it made the it made the game more enjoyable to be able to actually talk to you while we were playing. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. We tried all the different modes, but we always ended up settling on uh, just the regular. We we prefer to paint and kill when we have to, but mostly just uh, paint. So, <laughs> and both of us were trying to level up our level up our gear and get uh, more money. Yep. And uh, so playing the the regular matches were the best way to do that for us. Exactly. We tried. We actually were able to put four people together. We tried ranked one day, but the three of us were all level C, and my one friend was a level A plus. So it kept matching us against like all S ranked teams. We were getting our asses whooped <laughs> yes, on. We so we switched back to regular quickly. The only bummer about playing in regular is we're not always on the same team, and there's mm -hmm. no way around it. The only way to do that is to lock in the ranked. And I don't know. I just I prefer. What's I forget what it's called now. It's Turf Battle? Turf War, yeah. Yeah, I prefer Turf War over the other three games, personally. I do, too. And, uh, if we, I mean, even if we could get uh, a, a handful more people so that we're always with a couple of friendlies on our team, 
that would that would make the whole experience of playing non-ranked a lot more fun i think agreed or if we could get eight and just have our own yeah, have a whole war. private match we could do whatever we want to play whatever maps we want to exactly that would be awesome but that I would be fantastic i don't know if i can find four more people it's gonna be tricky i don't know i've i've had so much fun doing it that i think i want to try and find some people i guess yeah, or maybe we could just do two-on-two. Two. We never tried that, so that that might be kind of fun, just to experiment. And the, My biggest takeaway from playing with you, besides how much fun I've had, and pretty much all I want to do is play Splatoon right now. I actually played a little bit before we signed on, <laughs> is um, is that I'm I'm a straight-up brusher now. I've moved on from the roller, and I'm, I'm throwing real grenades now, and I'm using different special <laughs> weapons. I'm, this is amazing. Yeah, I never thought it would happen because I've always just gone back to the same roller that you use, the Kraken with the beacon. But mm-hmm. now I'm, I don't know, I really, I'm getting pretty good with grenades. Um, I'm enjoying, it's pretty much the only way when you use a short range weapon you could take out snipers. Cause I mean, even yeah. if you try to swim up on them, they just lay those uh, lines of ink out and just take away your path and one shot and you're done. I mean, man, those snipers are tough. <laughs> yeah. Especially for a brush or a roller, or even a, a bucket user. Yeah. A slosher or a bucket. So the only, I don't really have any complaints about the game. I still think it's really awesome. I love how fast the matches are and how quickly you get into them. I do wish there was a few more options for us short-range guys, though. There, it seems like there's a million different um, guns, and then there's only like three or four rollers, sloshers, and brushes. And I don't know if it would break the game to add different power-ups. I guess basically what would be really cool, and we were talking about while we were playing, is if you could pick your weapon and pick your uh, your sub weapon and your you know your special weapon. But I don't yeah. think they'll ever let us do that. I think the only way that that would work is if it was set up like I don't know Marvel vs. Capcom two, where different weapons have a different number, and you're limited to like a total number that you can have for points value, so you can't equip too many powerful things together yeah that would be cool i could see that working but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen in this version maybe in two we might get some more customization options i i can definitely see that and i'd like to see some more weapon options um maybe a a roller that's i don't know further away from you like a ceiling paint roller or something (laughs) I, i don't know but uh yeah i um i want to play more for sure yeah i'm, I'm glad too. i've gotten back into it and um i'm glad that you, uh we're not both rollers anymore yeah i'm sticking <laughs> with the brush i i picked up a few new guns i, I want to try that too because they seem like they might be I, thing about me though is i suck about you know with aiming so it's nice to have something i could throw a big line of paint out and i also like to use rollers and brushes because i can lay them down on the ground and run away really fast if, yeah. some, if somebody pins me in. Once I unlock this, uh, the level I need to get to the next, like, cement roller, I'm going to try that one as well. Yeah, and then maybe you should uh, make your way through the single player and scoop up the gold roller, because <laughs> that thing is powerful. It's slow, but it's really strong. It might fit my playstyle. Who knows? Yeah, I think it would, because you're more of a put it on the ground and run over a guy. You're not you're not a huge thrower unless you have to. I've noticed from playing. Mm. So it, that thing, one roll and they're done. You're not gonna be bouncing off of nobody with that roller. <laughs> I think you're the business. Not even your mad paintbrush skills. <laughs> I think you would run right through me with the gold roller, man. Okay. 
So um, should you want me to keep rolling here? Yeah, go ahead. I that was all I had. And okay, so I played Box Boy. I said I I played more Kick and Fennec. I put another video up yesterday. Um, that game just keeps getting more awesome. Now I can now I can actually go into water. And when you're in water, it's like you're on the ground. You don't have the two shot limit. So I'm propelling myself all over the water with my gun. It's really crazy. That is very cool. And I'm I'm excited to see what's going to come next. And uh, the main thing I really want to talk about all week, I've been watching the latest Pokemon tournaments that were happening on Twitch. It's the uh, it's the Nationals right now, and I feel like every time I talk about Pokemon tournaments, I talk about how disappointed I am. This is by far the most disappointed I've been. <laughs> it, it, these things just aren't for me. It, now it, the rules this season are: you can bring in one of the um, the Mega. How should I say? You know, the Alpha Mega. You could bring in uh, Grudon or Kyroge. The ones that automatically mega when you throw them out. And oh. then, then you can also bring in one legendary. Or you could bring in two legendaries. Or you could bring in both of Kyroge or Grudon. You can only have two out of all these guys. So okay. it's it's basically been... Every match has been Kyroge or Grudon. Usually both. Um, and then one of, one of the legendary dragons usually or everybody's u- using smeargle which normally i think is really cool but they're all dark void smeargles that's all they do so they throw out smeargle they dark void try to put the guy to sleep and then try to finish him with precipice blades with grudon that's like 89 percent of the matches i've watched probably and then every once in a while you'll see a guy who actually tries to do it with some you know regular pokemon and mm-hmm. they just get their asses beat because they can't stand up against these legendaries and that's, I don't know, it's just not very entertaining to me. I mean, the announcers are, like, losing their minds over it. And meanwhile, I'm passing out over here. That's why it's taken me, like, five days. I'm still <laughs> trying to finish day two. I haven't even got to day three because I can only take so much. Yeah, I, I can understand that. So, I, I don't know. I don't I don't want to be down. I love that there's that they're actually, you know, showing the tournaments. I, this is what I've wanted to watch forever in the last, I don't know, three or four years. You've been able to see a good amount of the battles. I just, I don't know. I just wish they could find some way to make the teams more diverse. Like, maybe they need to make it so you can only take one out of each uh, uh, point class. Not let guys just roll in with guys that are over 600 base. Because that's, everybody's just picking out of like the 550 to 600 and up uh, base point value, which is all the big hitters. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it just gets really boring when you see the same guys just trying to get the same moves off, and it's like, who's got one point of speed more than the other? Who's going to hit first? Because that's pretty much who's going to win. There's not really much strategy involved. There's a, Everybody's just out there protecting, like every other hit. Protect, protect, protect. Try to put people to sleep with Dark Void. I don't, it's just, it's kind of boring. Yeah, I can see that. The, like, they, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, Maybe they're gonna work on that with Sun and Moon and, and try to balance out some of the the high level stuff, or bring in more Pokemon into that top rank, so that there's more diversity in game with these tournaments. Yeah, that, that's a possibility. I think it's see the thing is they used to restrict the legendaries, but they still let the semi legendaries in, and I I think they need to do a season where you can't bring any legendaries in. You get one Mega. And that's it. No, no pseudo legendaries like Zapdos or Entei. You know, the legendary dogs. None of those guys. Just regular Pokemon <laughs> that you can catch in the wild or you trade for. And I think that would make it a more interesting uh, tournament. 
as long as they keep letting people bring a bunch of uh, big legendaries in, it's just going to be the same 10 guys facing off against each other. Everybody's going to have Mega Genghis Khan and three legendaries, and you're going to see the same four moves over and over again. It's just it's just getting old. <laughs> now, do you think you have the whole series where you go through uh, the mansion maze on with monotype sets of Pokemon? Do you think that something like that could make the tournament work, or would people just be picking Dragon or something? That's probably what would happen, um, Adam. It would probably just be all Dragon on Dragon because they're you know they have the largest amount of strong guys. Mm-hmm. So maybe you'd see some fairy teams just because people would assume there would be dragons in there. But I don't know. It'd be kind of interesting to see see if uh, what people would come up with. I would probably try to get in there with poison because. You love Poison? I do, and it's also got a lot of good moves, and they work well together as a team. Mm -hmm. So um, that was one of my first mono runs, and it went pretty well. And my friend uh, Matt Wordplay is actually running through his Poison right now, and he's about to to go over his record with his Poison squad. So it shows that they can can almost take on anything as long as you don't get caught by a really bad earthquake. That's pretty much the only Poison downfall or some really strong psychic guys would give you some trouble but besides that you can basically hang with anything so anyway that's all i wanted to say about pokemon tour i also wanted to mention that i saw a video for a new fire poison type i forget the guy uh, he's like a little salamander looking lizard sand it yeah sand it and what i i'm really excited for him because he's got a new ability called corrosion and he can actually poison any pokemon so steel can't resist him. poison types can be poisoned by him i just think that's really cool and i'm excited to make one in the new game Cool. Cool. So let's go ahead and take a break. And I believe we chose my music first last time, so we'll go with okay. yours this time, Adam. Adam chose Box Box Boy Green Destiny. And we'll be right back.
Alright, welcome back. And this week, we are actually going to talk about uh, comics uh, from Nintendo, games that are on Nintendo platforms that were turned into comics, and we're actually going to do uh, videos and movies as well, but there's so much to talk about, we're going to break it up into at least two segments, so look for that next week, and then, yeah, who knows, we might come up with something else while we're talking about it. So, I will start off, I'll show this, and sorry for the listeners, but... This, I just bought this last year. This is uh, Zelda. It's going to be backwards on the camera, but it's Zelda, Link to the Past. And this is a collection of all the Zelda comics that were Nintendo Power, which I read all these when I was a kid. And as I started reading it, I actually kind of started to remember some of that stuff. And there was m- multiple different comics in Nintendo Power when I was a kid. There was Legend of Zelda, there was Metroid, and I had actually forgotten there was a Star Fox comic as well, which is really kind of weird looking. And I believe it's all done by the same guy. Let me see if I can find his name here by Shitaro Ishinomori I believe is how you pronounce his name and um, yeah all these comics are pretty cool I specifically really like Legend of Zelda and Metroid Star Fox is interesting but like I said it's really wacky looking and they're not really flying their jets very much (laughs) so I wasn't really into that but also around the same time there was a series of comics published by a company named uh, Valiant and these started like in the early 90s. And they did they did a lot of Mario comics, which I wasn't able to find any to read. Uh, they, they did some Metroid comics. Uh, they did Captain N, which was an old loosely Nintendo-based show, which I've been watching lately. They did Legend of Zelda comics. And they also did a crazy comic based on Game Boy where, where a guy named uh, – I think his name was Henry – was playing Mario Land, the first one, and it all came to life. It all shot out of the Game Boy, and and all the enemies took over the world, and it's about him and Mario and other people fighting all these enemies. So you (laughs) see all the wacky enemies from Mario Land, like the weird uh, statues with the big noses. They kind of look like uh, like nose passes, the Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And uh, you see... And he's, uh, Mario's flying around in his plane like he does in Mario Land, and it's really weird. The art in that book specifically, though, is pretty cool, I noticed. And that's pretty much all I could find uh, American-wise for uh, comics. This uh, Valiant company did a whole bunch of stuff. There was even um, there was even some Captain N Metroid crossover stuff where, Met- where Samus is in love with Captain. And it's, and it's post-apocalyptic, so Captain N's got the sleeves torn off his jacket, and he's all grizzled. Ooh. <laughs> so I thought that was and she's and Samus is like super into him the whole time. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, and I, yeah. there was also a little short punch out uh comic as well. I almost forgot to mention. All that was was kind of a it's kind of a backstory. It's almost a, it's almost the little stories you get in between every three matches when you play Punch Out. It's almost a comic okay. based on those. So that was kind of cool. All right. That's all you found. That's all I've got for American, yes. Um, one American thing that I can bring up is uh, Archie Comics has mm-hmm. done Sonic comic books. Oh, yeah. I forgot about as that. As well as Mega Man comic books. Um, and that's a, that's a Western company. And they even have a crossover series with Mega Man and Sonic together. Oh, that's awesome. And I have not read um, any of the crossover stuff or the Mega Man by itself comics. But for a brief time period, they had those books in the grocery store next to my work, and hmm. I would I would buy them, and I've read through some of the Sonic ones. 
Yeah, I remember, now that you bring it up, I remember seeing Sonic comics in comic book shops and, uh, you know, in other various places. I've never read any of them, though. Okay. I mean, they're they're set up similar to, like, the thicker Archie comic books, the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Um, they're made by the same company, and uh, they're pretty good. They, they kind of look like, uh, I guess, like Sonic Underground. Okay. The cartoon. They kind I've, of, they I've kind seen of a little like bit that. of that. Yeah, all the Sonic uh, cartoons are on Netflix right now. If anybody wants to watch them to get an idea of what we're talking about, just uh, by the way. <laughs> so okay. yeah, I, I, if out of all these comics, I'd say the best one is definitely the book I just showed, the Link to the Past: Legend of Zelda. That's the art's really cool. It r- sticks pretty close to the game. The only thing weird about that comic is there's a there's kind of an anti-hero character in it who looks like a falcon. He he has a really super long nose. It looks like a beak, but he's still humanoid. But I think he even can uh, grow wings and stuff at times. Is he at all look like the Ruto people from Wind Waker? Maybe a little bit, uh, but he's definitely his own thing that they made just for these comics. He kind of fights like Link, though. He's got a sword, but he can also like glide around and stuff. So it's kind of cool. And him and uh, him and Link are kind of facing off all throughout the book, and. Then, you know, eventually they start working together and stuff. So you you always get he's kind of like um he's kind of like Zero and Mega Man X or Proto Man later on, where you okay. think he's bad and he ends up being good kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's if I'm going to re- recommend one book, that's definitely the one I would recommend. Now with Nintendo Power, was there only the Link to the Past series, or did they ever do well, like one I, based on like on I said, Ocarina? They, Metro? Oh, you mean out of all the Zeldas? I'm sorry, no, yeah. just. Just the Link to the Past uh, collection, but I don't know if you can see on camera. This is a thick. It it went. It ran for a long time. This is a really thick book. Okay. And this is a beautiful like, collection. This is. Yeah, it looks Amazon. like it has nice thick pages. Yeah, it's it's a really nice book. It looks way better in this book than it ever did in Nintendo Power. That's for sure. Okay. Cool. Cool. So. Since we covered all the American stuff we could find, and if anybody out there knows about some other stuff we should check out, you know, leave it in the comments or hit us up on Twitter. Let's We'd go ahead and move into the. It. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? We'd probably want to read it. Yeah, definitely. So let us know. So let's go ahead and move into the manga, uh, Adam. And the first one I want to talk about, and this is not going to be in any kind of chronological order. I'm just going to bring up the ones that I've read and I think are cool. Is I read Star Fox Farewell to Beloved Falco. Which was actually a comic slash manga released to bridge uh, Star Fox 64 and Star Fox Adventures, the you know the 3D third person platformer where you're where you're Crystal and you're also Fox. Mm-hmm. Fox fights with his staff and everything. I never actually played the game, so I watched some videos and eh, it looks okay. But the book is really cool. It's it's basically almost completely about Falco how he's a loner and he kind of goes off on his own and he gets a distress call from from crystal so he goes out and he or not from crystal i'm sorry from oh man i can't remember her name now she's uh she's like a pink cat looking lady that's the chick that's in a zero isn't it yeah it does look i think it is her okay so he goes apparently they have a past and uh, she's always, like, loved Falco. Falco's like, you know, I can't be tied down. I, I just want to go <laughs> off and do my own thing. But he does come and help her if she needs help. So what happens is he goes and helps her. Meanwhile, uh, what used, what they used to think was part of the part of uh, Star Fox's forces, they turn evil 
and they're uh, on a secret base, and they're trying to bring back um, Ambrose. So, so Falco starts working with the with the with the lady and all of her ragtag bunch. She's got like a alligator and a rat in her crew, and another cat like her. And Fox goes and meets up with what who, who he thinks is part of his crew, and they tell him that these guys are rebels trying to steal their information. Well, of course they're trying to steal it because these guys are actually bad. And they're, so what happens is, is Fox ends up fighting Falco for like four or five pages, which is really cool. It's a really cool air wing battle where they're both like neck and neck, and they're both like getting little hits on each other, but they're they're both too good. And what happens is Fox ends up getting um, completely demolished, but he also gets a piece of Falco at the end. So Falco goes and crashes somewhere, and Fox meets up with everybody. And then Fox ends up meeting up with the people that Falco was working with. And, you know, we finally figure out that, oh, you know, you're on the wrong side, Fox. You need to be help. So Falco was right from the get-go. Fox made a poor decision. <laughs> and it's a really, it's pretty long. It's like 70 pages. Uh, the art's really cool. You get, you get all the characters in it that you remember from playing the games. And it's pretty awesome. It gets, uh, it gets pretty hectic at the end. And I don't want to give away too many spoilers that I already have. And I would recommend reading it if you can uh, find a copy of it or find it online. Sounds cool. So, um, did you have any other? Did you have any mangas you want to bring up? Um. Well, I don't have any Star Fox stuff. Um. So I'm gonna bring us back to Metroid because I did read quite a few different Metroid uh, manga. Cool. Um. And I'm gonna start with the. Let's see here. There is one. There's one that's based on uh, the first Metroid. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it acts as like a guidebook partially hmm. um, because there, towards the end of it, it has like a little map of kind of where you start and, um, and a couple of the corridors. And it's kind of goofy. And it also threw me off because they refer to Samus as a he. And... I guess I didn't realize the the history of Metroid, but um, in the um, guidebooks, like the actual guidebooks that came with the game for the first Metroid, uh, in the U.S. version, they refer to him as he. And uh, well, it is very weird. And and at first, I was thinking, like, man, I can't believe Nintendo would have uh, let something like this slide, where like they just had someone writing text for the game and they had no idea what the game was about um, because it was clearly intent that Samus was a female in the game. Right. And so I did some digging and uh, apparently in the Japanese book even, they have a male pronoun listed uh, several times in the original text of like the beginning of the guidebook for that game. And the person who translated it noted that in Japan they don't really use gender-based pronouns very often. Okay. And, um, and so you can, you can very easily write something in Japanese and never use a gender-based pronoun because that's just not how their language works. Okay. And he, so he noted, or she maybe, uh, they noted that, um, that because of the fact that it was so blatant and overly used for normal Japanese language that he assumes that they did it on purpose to misdirect the reader and the player to make you think that it's a male 
so that when you find out if you are good enough and you find out that Samus is actually a woman, that that's like a, a shocking revelation for you. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was assuming while you were talking about that they did it on purpose to throw us off. Because I remember what a big shock it was when you know she busted out of her armor and you were like, "Oh crap, it's a girl." Because mm-hmm. I, I don't. It, everybody just assumes that, especially back then, everybody just assumed that all the main characters were guys. There weren't too many games based on girls, honestly. Yeah, especially something you know, someone who is being all badass and shooting guns and well, arm blaster and you know, being cool like Samus is. Yep. Um, So in this, in this manga, they referred to Samus as the dude. Uh, They never show his face. So maybe that was part of the whole persona that they Mm -hmm. were trying to put forward. Um, There's even a, um, one of the, the windows is, is Samus with like two ladies, like at his legs and like bathing suits. Um, It's so weird. Yeah, it's very weird. Uh, and they refer to Samus as like a cyborg warrior, so maybe not even human at that point. Yeah. Um, and uh, some weird things. So it kind of has a serious tone to it sometimes, but it also doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, there is a point where uh, Samus is headed to um, Zebus and uh, is playing Legend of Zelda. <laughs> and... Uh, her goal is to, or his goal is to um, beat the game before he gets there to the planet. And then it pans to like, a month later and he's only on level four <laughs> and, and then he gets attacked. That's pretty funny. I, I um, thought you were going to say he was trying to do a no sword run or something. <laughs> no, that'd be funny. Um, and then, and then something else that's weird in this, this comic series is that um, he has this, logbook of Zebzian creatures. It almost functions like a Pokedex. Oh, so wow. Whenever, so whenever he comes in contact with a new creature from the Metroid game, it explains what the creature is and how it attacks you. That's so kind awesome. of, kind of playing on the whole idea that this is kind of a guidebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was pretty interesting. And also the ship looks really weird. Yeah, I noticed to- uh, in multiple Metroid comics that the ship never looked quite right. It always kind of looked a little wacky. It, you know, it didn't have its usual, what would you say, kind of teardroppy shape. A Samus helmet. Yeah, it does kind of look like her helmet, but none of the none of the comics it does. Yeah, and this one, it's it's more like a regular what you'd think of when you think like sci-fi spaceship, right? Like airplane type of thing, and it's called a Cosmo Liner, and uh, that was kind of weird too, but. Mm. Over overall, I'd say this the series this little short series uh, is kind of um, kind of jokey, and then that kind of rolls over into I found another series, and and that series was uh, the Wan Paku Metroid manga. The other manga that I read that was Metroid was the Shonen O game comic uh, version of Metroid, which was a series of three different artists doing four panel. Uh, comic strips basically and they're all very silly um the the first series that i read um is called round and round and it has samus being obsessed with balls for some weird reason maybe because she morphs into one i don't know i i I mean that's obvious kind of thing and also um she's really interested in the energy balls that you get as well Mm -hmm. and they just make a lot of jokes about round things in in this series there's another one called o metroid which is a little bit more serious 
and uh, also has like a fat joke made to Samus in which she like beats up the guy who makes the fat joke. <laughs> That's um, weird. She there's a weird thing where she gets the X-ray scanner and she tries to use it on like to to like look in on these two uh, like monkey like creatures. Huh. And there's some like weird innuendo going on there. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. So that was, that was kind of a like an edgy but also kind of cartoony looking Metroid. And then the third one was called Find the Baby. And uh, it was not very good. It it was like trying to do some interesting stuff, but it wasn't really funny. I didn't I didn't like smirk or smile at any of those. So okay. that was unfortunate. But uh, that kind of did have something where in all of those strips, they were referring to the Metroid baby as the baby, which I thought was not a thing and was like some made up thing that Metroid Other M did. But this series, which that series is based on Super Metroid, um, she refers to the baby Metroid often in that series. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was an interesting little thing that I wasn't aware of that kind of fleshes out maybe where that came from when they made other M. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'll, um, I'll pile on with Metroid while we're on the subject cool. and I didn't read any of those, but I did read a little bit of, I'm looking for it too. I'm sorry. My notes are a little scrambled here. I don't know what the name of it is, but it's based on zero. It might even be called zero mission. I couldn't read. I think it's called Metroid zero or yeah, that. But I read the first. I probably read like the first five or six chapters of that. Now this book is definitely serious. Um, it you know there's a few little jokes here and there, but it's more like some real life, some, you know, real life kind of jokes, not wackiness, which I've grown accustomed to reading all these different uh, Nintendo mangas. Most of them are pretty wacky, so it's pretty cool. It actually goes back into where uh where Samus came from. She starts off with her being three years old. And she's living on a planet, and the uh, the Chrono, the bird race, you know, where you get your power-ups? The Chozo. Chozo, I'm sorry. The Chozo actually come to visit where she's living because they are protecting some kind of sacred uh, ancient energy source. And they need it to awaken the Metroids. I don't know why they want to do that. It doesn't, it hadn't gotten to that point yet. But uh, the people there, actually, uh, actually Samus's father says, no, there's no way, we can't give it to you. And they leave peacefully, and then the next thing you know, Ridley shows up. And you know he's not going to ask for it, he's going to take it. Mm-hmm. So, Ridley actually kills, uh, I believe, both of Samus's parents, as far as we could tell. Uh, her father actually stows away on Ridley's ship, though, and he, he blasts the ancient power with his, uh, he's got like a welder gun, he doesn't even have a real gun. And that blows up the whole ship. The only thing that survives, all Ridley's minions and everything die, but Ridley crashes to the earth, and he's good because, you know, he could take some punishment. And the art in it is really cool. Ridley looks really good. It looks just like you think he would look if he was drawn in a manga. And then it kind of, and then eventually what happens is the only one that survives, as far as we could tell right now, is Samus. And then it cuts to her being 11. She's living with the, what'd you say, Chozo? Chozo, yeah. She's living with the Chozo, um, in particular one named Gray, who she fr- uh, befriends when they visit. And he's training her. He puts her in this isolation tank when she's real young so she can get used to living on their uh, their really harsh environment. It's got kind of a um, it's got kind of a the newer Superman movie kind of thing going on where she becomes strong because she has to live in such a harsh environment and because they splice Chozo genes into her. So now she's half Chozo, half human, and she's got power armor. 
So it, it's it's getting pretty crazy um, already early on. Samus is already, you know, she seems like even at eleven, she's already got a lot of her a lot of her powers and everything, and she's all the training and stuff. She's uh, really strong, and that's as far as I've gotten so far. I have it bookmarked. I'm going to read more. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to read more. This is so far. This has been one of the coolest comics I've found when you know preparing for this episode. Yeah. And um, again, that's I found that online. So anybody that's interested in reading that one, you can definitely find it if you really want to read it. I don't know if you can actually buy it though, because I'd be, you know, I'd actually like to collect it. That's kind of the unfortunate thing about a lot of these is there doesn't seem to be any real way to officially buy a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 next thing that I would I can talk about is the Super Mario Kun, yep, uh, comic series, which is available in Japan, and then some of it's available in uh, France now. So it's in Japanese and French, but there's no official English translation for it or availability of that. Yeah, you can even buy the uh, Japanese versions on Amazon. They're even pretty cheap, like 3 bucks a, a book, which is really cheap for manga. Most manga is at least 7 to 10 but you won't be able to read it unless you can read kanji or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's slapstick, so you can kind of just, like, look at the fun pictures, but you're not really going to get what's going on. I did read the first seven chapters, though. I read the first two, I guess. Okay. And, uh, like, immediately, uh, Mario is swimming in the water. He says he's drowning and asks Luigi to come help him. Mm -hmm. And then when Luigi, like, swims out there... Mario's like, nah, I have a, I have a frog suit. No, yep. I didn't, I didn't need you to help me. Yeah, that's and, basically the first real joke. It's pretty funny. Yeah, and so from there, you can just tell this is going to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I and to point off, I point out, I didn't even know the series existed at all until that character was available in Super Mario Maker. Okay, and I, I honestly think it's really weird that Nintendo would keep a lot of this stuff hidden from the Western market because I personally really like the series so far. Yeah, I think it's really cool. It's very uh, it's very tongue-in-cheek, super wacky, and I think you and I probably both like it a lot because it's almost all Super Mario World. Almost everything they do in it uh, touches on it. They're, they make lots of jokes about going into the castles. There's tons of Yoshi humor in it. Um, and it's cool just watching Luigi and Mario run around. Mario's like, I don't know, he's kind of a dumb-dumb. Luigi's kind of a dumb dumb too, but not as dumb. And yeah. just, basically, they kind of fumble their way through every fight they get into, <laughs> and it you know, and hilarity ensues. Yeah, and the the thing that I like about it is I typically don't like Mario very much. I don't think he's got a very I don't think he's got any character. Um, that's why I like Luigi so much is because he actually has a personality and he's like vulnerable and like pathetic and <laughs> and uh, that's amusing to me but mario is just kind of an i guess an empty palette he's just you know the main character guy but in this series he he's kind of a jerk but yeah he, he's like a lovable jerk and uh and i i just i really like seeing all the weird stuff that he's doing so far and um you point out that it's covering a lot of super mario stuff super mario world yep um kind of the whole basis of this series is that um, it goes in uh, like little chunks. So the first section is Super Mario World, but then um, it moves on to cover the plots of Super Paper Mario and Mario Party games and um, other Mario uh, titles 
And, and right now, the most recent stuff is based around Super Mario 3D World. So there's like cat suits and stuff involved. There. Oh, cool. Um, so really, they're kind of proving that this, and it's been going on for like what? I think they, the like issue number is in the 20s now. I saw there's over 30 chap over 30 books. Okay, so, so manga was typically a off. manga typically has seven to ten chapters per book. Usually, mm-hmm. sometimes they're a little bit smaller, sometimes they're a little bit bigger. So it depends on the page amounts. But from the manga that I've collected, it's usually around seven to ten chapters in each book. Okay. So that's a lot of chapters. Yeah, it, there is, and I'm excited because I did see a screen cap of Waluigi in one of the Mario Party. Uh, issues and but what i was what i was going there with was uh that um they could continue to expand this series when more and more mario games come out Mm -hmm. um what you know whatever next big mario thing that comes out they could just adapt it to this series and it you know it doesn't quite follow it perfectly but uh they'll have a lot of new power-ups to use and new uh references of worlds and stuff so I mean, they could really keep this going on for as long as it stays popular. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one power-up that was crazy was Mario and Yoshi actually combined into a ball form. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I believe it – I think Luigi actually threw him through a piranha plant. And and the way they figured out – they couldn't beat this piranha plant because he's invincible. But he opens his mouth to you know to talk crap, and it actually has a little side inside that says vulnerable spot. So mm-hmm. that's what Mario and Luigi combined for their super fastball special, basically. And and actually, I believe, murdered the piranha plant. So this <laughs> this uh, comic is definitely, like I said, really goofy and funny. But it's also more adult, too. I don't think uh, young kids should be reading it. There's curses and, yeah. you know, and kind of some more adult-themed jokes and stuff like that. So Definitely. So even though it's very, cart- like, overly cartoony... Uh, it's definitely more of an adult series. Yeah. But it, it's a lot of fun, and I'm I'm going to try and catch up with you. Uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, let's see here. I've still got a, uh, quite a few to talk about. I want to see. Now, I don't think Ebrot's were able to read any of the Zelda manga. I started to, like shortly before we were recording, I started to uh, read the Legend of Zelda Four Swords Plus series. Mm-hmm. I got through the first chapter only um so there is no four sword action happening yet um but it kind of is a weird mix between the toon link wind waker art style and the the like drawings for link to the past okay that sounds kind of a it's kind of a mashup of those art styles and it looks pretty nice and one of the weird things is link has a dad in the game oh that is weird yeah, his dad is like a part of the Hyrulean army force. I, wasn't his uncle in Link to the Past part of like the knights at some point or something? I I think so. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't played that game in a year, so I'll have to go back and refresh. A little while. Um, the only thing I could say about Zelda, because I haven't read any of it, is just that there are as many Mario Coons as there are. There's probably even more Zelda manga. There's, ton, there's Ocarina of Time. There's a whole arc based on that. There's one called Out of Time. And there's all the different adventure books. Uh, there's the four sword ones that you said. Um, and then there's a bunch that just have their own. I think there's Majora's Mask mangas and then stuff based off of that world. There's a ton of yeah, Zelda. I, saw, I saw a Phantom Hourglass. Yeah, Phantom manga. Hourglass. So, yeah, so let's go ahead. And, uh, we, I don't think we both have too much more to say about Zelda. So, 
the next one I wanted to bring up is there's actually a World Ends With You manga. Ooh, okay. And the art looks just like the game. And uh, for if I've never mentioned it on the newer version of the show, The World Ends With You is one of my all-time favorite DS games. I probably played like 50 hours of it at least. And it's, it's a great game. I still have a bunch of the pins and stuff I bought off of Etsy back in the day that I keep on all my bags <laughs> and stuff. Awesome. Uh, I was really enjoying the manga. I read the first three or four chapters, but I ran out of time. And I'm definitely going to go back to it because it's basically – it follows the uh, the game really well and then adds little side things in between. And the art is really good. It looks just like the game. So, I mean, that's kind of what I expect from manga. The art's almost always really good. And uh, if you haven't played the game, it's about a, a kid that wakes up in the world, doesn't know where he is, and, and people battle... What are they, like sound monsters, Adam? Basically, yeah. They battle them using uh, pins, like the pins you would pin on your coat or whatever. And each pin has different powers. And it starts off with uh, with the main guy, who I can't remember the name of right now, waking up in the world, just like in the game. And he meets up with that girl who wears the big pink hat. And mm-hmm. then he starts meeting all the other people because you actually switch your uh, team-up character through the game multiple times. And the book's falling right along with it. And it's really cool. It's really cool to go back to that world and read the story again because I haven't played that game in probably, I don't know, 10 years, 8 years. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. So, yeah, I definitely wanted to bring up that. And that, for what I could tell, most of those are scanned online. I don't know if you can buy them. Um, I would like to buy them if you can. I'm going to research that later. And, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I wanted to say about that. You should definitely play the game and check out the manga, too. Okay, cool. Um, I, I have some, like, little things that I want to mention left. Um, so I'll mention uh, the Super Mario Kun series is done by the Koro Koro comic or comic book i guess Mm -hmm. and uh they also have done a kirby series which kind of seems to follow the same suit where there's several different art styles they're all very chibi and like kawaii style art and um, i haven't read any of those but i I plan on it because kirby is one of my favorite game characters Um, but it looks to be it looks like it's probably going to be a similar feel and uh story setup as far as it being kind of more adult and and uh, kind of crazy. Yeah, it did. It did look a very Mario Cooney, <laughs> I guess I would say, from mm-hmm. the couple images that you sent me. And I also am very interested to read it because he's one of my favorites as well. Uh, let's see. You want me to bring up another one? Yeah, uh, I would say just go through the rest of your list, and then I have a couple things I wanted to mention. Okay, cool. So I've got three, and I'll go ahead and bang them out quick because I don't have a lot to talk about on any of them. But I read a little bit of the Mother 2 manga as well, and I've never actually played Earthbound or Mother oh. 2. So the only thing I could say, it, it looked like it was d- really well done. The story was interesting from the few, uh, I probably read like 40 pages of it. The only thing I didn't like is this is probably the first manga where I don't like the art in it. They The characters don't look anything like they do in the games at all it's kind of a i don't know the guy kind of took his own license with it the guy or the or the girl who drew it they're more uh i don't know they actually look more american as far as it's more of an american old school co- uh cartoon style art like they're not all round and stuff they've got mm-hmm. like distinct facial features and thing and i don't know it just doesn't appeal to me at all huh. I can see why they would try to do that because it's supposed to be set in a fictional American style area. Yep. So I can I can understand the the idea of that, but I'm I'm upset that you don't like the actual presentation of it. Yeah, just I don't know. I would have rather looked more. I love the art. Even though I've never really played 
any uh, Mother games. I played a little bit of Mother 3 at your request um, a few years ago. And I just really love the art style already. I don't know why they felt like they needed to mess with it for the one comic that they put out about it, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that does seem really weird. So, okay, so I'll move on from that to uh, manga that is cool that I've only ever seen in separate panels. I've never actually read any real books, and Pokemon has a lot of manga. Different games. There's even Pokemon Ranger mangas, which I've never read. But all those look like the show. So I... All the different, uh, you know, sections I've seen, just like using uh, image search and stuff, always look really cool. And I wish that I could uh, get these books somehow. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of these have probably been translated, and I could probably find them, and I might probably. start collecting them. Cool. Um, well, I, I was actually thinking real quick about Pokemon I, that I wondered if they ever made a manga version of the Pokemon Origins. That's a great uh, show. It is a really great show. I. I can only I just assumed they would make a manga version of that because it seems like something that they would do. And if uh, people are interested in watching that, I believe it's still up on Hulu as we speak. And I think you can always check it out on the you know Pokemon has its own streaming app. The Pokemon TV. Yeah, I believe it's on there as well still. So, okay. but it's definitely last time I checked as of like a week ago it was definitely still on Hulu. If people want to check, that's probably if you want to watch a Pokemon show that's more related to the games and not. You know, just the wackiness that Pokemon has become with Ash running around. Uh, that's definitely the one to check out. I really liked it, and I, I watched it recently. Cool. Yeah, I really like it a lot. I've watched it multiple times because you know, I'm a freaking pokey nerd over here. <laughs> but I'm going to end my part anyway with there's actually a really quick Fire Emblem Awakening manga that I didn't know about. And it's called uh, Tale of Technician's Marriage, and it's all about... The character you are in Fire Emblem Awakening, the technician, you know, Robin or whatever you name your guy or girl. It's all about them finding marriage. It's only like 20 pages long and he he's getting all bummed out because all of his boys and all of his other friends, they're all married. It shows all, they're like, there's all the married people and you see him all by himself, all sad and everything. And that it's just a little quick uh, wacky comic about Fire Emblem Waking. I like it though because it really points out that marriage is actually a big part of the game because based on who you married is based on the kids that you have and how strong they are and what kind of attributes they have and how do they look and it, it is a big part of the game now. Oh, definitely. Um, do, do you know if that was the uh, uh, series that was featured in the Nintendo Dream Magazine? I do not. I, I think it is. Um I, I, I saw the panels for that series. I didn't really pay attention to what it was about, but I think that that's what that one is. Cool. It sounds it sounds right. And, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. And, and actually talking about that made me think of one more manga I'd like to mention. And this, this is a multi-platform, and I think I've brought up before. There's a Monster Hunter uh, manga, and it's definitely – it's one of the coolest mangas I've ever read, so – and it's it's scanned. It's up everywhere. Um, I don't think it's ever been officially translated, so I doubt you could buy it. So you'll have to you'll have to look it up online if you want to read it. So what do they what do they do with that plot? Or it's whatever? basically about uh, it's about one uh, guy you know starting out trying to get his uh, monster hunter seal so he can hunt anywhere. And I don't know. I could actually show you. That's the monster hunter seal from the manga. Okay, cool. And uh, it's it's really, really cool. Um, I don't know. It, he gets all kinds of crazy armor. He, he forms a team. He's got like a gunner and a lancer on it. And 
Yeah, like I'd say, oh, and it's done by the guy who does Fairy Tale. If you if you're oh, familiar cool. with that, it's one of his first mangas. So I can't right. remember the name of it though. It starts with an O. It's like Ozaku. It's like Monster Hunter Ozaku or Azaro or something like that. But I'm sure if you type in Monster Hunter manga, you should be able to find at least some image images of it if you want to see what it looks like. Okay. So cool. I would I would highly recommend that to anybody that's in the Monster Hunter or Fairy Tale because it's got a lot. It's definitely goofy, fun like Fairy Tale. Awesome. Um, for me, uh, there was uh, some other Fire Emblem stuff that I found. Um, a there's this there's a game or not a game. There's a series for Awakening and for Fates that is the Four Kings character books which is basically covering the characters from Fire Emblem in those games and doing it in kind of the four-panel setup that that Metroid series has. Um, that it, It's set up kind of like little short, goofy things that you'd find in like a Saturday comic strip. Oh, cool. And uh, I thought I read through those and, and thought that they were pretty funny. Um, playing on the, you know, playing on all the stuff that you see in the the main game, mm-hmm. making jokes about people and like their weird habits and stuff like that. It was pretty. <laughs> it was pretty amusing. Yeah, it sounds pretty cool. And uh, the other thing that I had, and the only other thing I had, is bringing this back to to Metroid. I have a basically a comic series, like a single panel comic series, uh, called Thirty Day Thirty One Days of Zero Suit Samus. There was a Kickstarter. Where a bunch of uh, artists in the like gaming community had pulled together a bunch of different artwork for this, basically like this mini zine based on Zero Suit Samus, mm-hmm. and they're they're pretty amusing. And I that was done through Kickstarter has some fan gamer uh, paraphernalia that came with it, and that was really cool. And uh, just something I wanted to bring up as something that I have that's sort of comic related. Yeah, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, that's about, that's all I have in my list here. Cool. We've covered everything. Uh, while while you were uh, talking, I looked up, it's Monster Hunter, it's O-R-A-J-E, Orage-A, Orage-U, it's, uh, the pronunciator was still kind of hard for me to understand, but. Did you say Monster Hunter Aju? <laughs> I love Aju. <laughs> Cool. So let's go ahead. That was a pretty good segment. Uh, we only we, there's still tons of comics that I we didn't even bring up. Probably do a whole other episode just devoted to comic book stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of it, more stuff than I even imagined when uh, you came up with this idea last week. You know, I was like, oh, we'll talk about like three or four that are out there. There's probably at least a hundred different books out there. For sure. Cool. So let's go ahead and listen to some music. It's my turn now. I chose. Speaking of Metroid, I chose Guido X theme from Metroid Fusion. And keep it here, we'll be right back.
Welcome back, everybody. It's the news section, and I'm going to start off with one of the biggest things that's happened recently, which is that Pokemon Go is now available on Android and iOS, and I'm seeing lots of Pokemon Go-related stuff on Facebook and Twitter from people that don't normally talk about Pokemon. So that's mm-hmm. kind of cool that uh, it's kind of made its way back into a mainstream beyond just a traditional gaming community. Yep. I read uh, I read an article today that it's already the number one free app in iTunes. Basically, the second it went up. I'm completely not surprised. Um, and uh, all sorts of weird stories. Um Stuff where stores that have become like gym locations or hotspots for Pokemon oh, cool. are like putting signs up to say that like you don't have to come in or there's a Dairy Queen sign. And I don't know if any of these are actually real, but they're <laughs> funny. Uh, there's one sign on a Dairy Queen window that says uh, Pokemon are only for paying customers. Oh, that's funny. That's got to be <laughs> Photoshop, but it's still I, funny. I, I have to assume or it's just a, a joke from someone that works there that likes Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, so that's kind of cool. There was a kind of a, a more grim story where a girl had f- found a dead body exploring for oh, Pokemon. Gross. So I, I, I've been making the joke that Nintendo's helped solving like cold cases. Yeah, detective. Uh... Yeah, but I mean the thing that's the thing that's really interesting about it, and I have not but downloaded it, created my character, and caught a few Pokemon. I haven't really gone to any gym locations or any like the other markings that I can find on on the map. So I don't really know what that part of the game is about. Um, but I, I do, from what I've seen, um, it's getting people to talk about Pokemon, which is a good goal because there's a Pokemon game coming out this year. Um, and two, it's getting people out doing things and interacting with each other. I've, I've seen people talk about how they've met other people that were doing the same thing, looking for Pokemon and they had, you know, conversations and stuff. So, um, it's, it's doing exactly what I think Nintendo wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I brought this up before, which is get people out moving around and, uh, communicating with this internet technology, but in a way where you're actually communicating with real people. Um, so, it seems to be working, and um, even though the application seems to be somewhat bare bones right now, um, they they do have plans to expand it, and uh, I'm sure that there's going to start to have more of that happening very soon. Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks pretty fun. I, unfortunately, I can't play it. I have nothing that can run it, so I'm going to have to live through you, Adam, as you play it. Uh, all right. Um, <laughs> uh, you can stick with the more precision-based breeding and all of all that jazz. Yep, you got it. <laughs> that, that confuses the crap out of me. Um, so, yeah, I definitely wanted to bring up that because that's huge news, and I'm just happy to see, you know, Pokemon trending for a really long time on Twitter and people who um, are friends of mine on Facebook that never talk about games are talking about catching Pokemon. And Yeah, it's awesome. And seeing... Nintendo's shares are way up, too, because of it. It's really... It's having a positive effect basically on everything it's touching and it's it makes me excited for the the next uh mobile things or you know the fire emblem mobile and, oh of course and the, what was it animal crossing is one of the yes. other ones I'm very excited for those I'm hoping they might be you know they maybe won't use uh as much wi-fi and stuff so maybe I can play them on my Kindle like some like I could play I could play some of the Pokemon puzzle games uh, mobile games on my Kindle, mm-hmm. so I'm hoping I'll be able to play some of those as well. But we'll have to wait and see. 
Of course. And but it does at least let us know that they they are definitely taking this seriously mm-hmm. and uh I really like their approach so far on the on these mobile applications and games. Yep, I agree. Um also Pokemon related, uh Shimon is going to be available from now until the 24th. Uh, it's a level four, a level 100. Um, I don't remember what the moves are that it has, but it has the natural cure mm-hmm. ability. Um, so if you want one of those, I, that's one of my favorite looking Pokemon. He's definitely one of the, he looks kind of like a little grass covered hedgehog. Hedgehog, yes. Um, and when, uh, when that Pokemon was announced and released, that is when I got the idea to start a leaf based team. And, uh, yeah, so that was the first time I ever thought like, Hey, I should try and make a all one type team. And, uh, I just like that whole concept, which is why I brought it up earlier and why I like your series so much. Yeah. I can't take credit. It's mad wordplay. But I mean, it's just, it's awesome idea. Mad wordplay. Awesome. I've always been, you know, ever since, because of watching the original show and I've always liked the gyms based on one type. I just always thought that was cool. Just like you. So. I think it's a great idea, and that's why I immediately glommed onto it and started doing it as well. Sweet. Um, so in Japan right now, um, there is the Bit Summit uh, fourth, is what it's called. So I guess the fourth one, and uh, that's going on right now. It's a, a decent, a pretty big, big, pretty big deal gaming convention type of thing. It's in Kyoto, I do believe, and um, Nintendo is there for the first time ever, and. Um, they mostly, it seems, are pushing um, indie stuff while they're there. And so they have released a new video for Japan based on their Nindies series, where they highlight indie games. And a lot of them are Japanese-related indie games, but they have other stuff like Shovel Knight is featured in this. And so is... Axiom Verge, I'm guessing. It's probably uh, Axiom Verge is not on that list, oddly enough. Oh, wow. Um, but Runbow is. Um, okay. And I don't even I don't know what plans they have for Axiom Verge in Japan, um, so that's something interesting to think about. But I mean, I think I think Japan would like that game. I'm thinking doesn't doesn't Metroid typically do better here than it does in Japan? So maybe it's maybe they're thinking they won't release it there. Yeah, maybe there's also a weird split, you know, because of Metroid Prime series and yeah. the older Metroids as far as popularity goes. Um, but I think Metroid overall is more like Zelda, for instance, where it's more popular in the West than it is in Japan. Or Castlevania to move it off of Nintendo. That's, again, a, that's a series you think would be super popular in Japan, but it's definitely got more uh, legs over here, for sure. Um, yeah, just to go on a little tangent about that, I, I think um, more or less Japanese culture, uh, short of more recently, has been kind of a not interested in games that kind of throw you into open environments that uh, kind of make you find your own way, mm-hmm. which is why something like Zelda would not do well as well in Japan, but do better over here. Cause yep. we seem to really like, that's more of like a Western style type of gameplay. It's one of my favorite types of gameplay personally. Um, and it seems like in the past J- Japan or Japanese people have, I guess, tended to lean more towards more linear story based stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that's changing, which is hope, makes me hopeful for Zelda because Minecraft is so popular in Japan. Uh, it's one of the best-selling games every week. So I think that they're they're starting to broaden that spectrum of their interests, open so, their minds up a little bit to other types. Yeah. Of- 
And not to say that there weren't anybody that liked those type of games, but I think it's becoming more popular at the very least. Um, but with back to the the Bit Summit, <laughs> um, so yeah, they had those games. But the Japanese games, there's a lot of new ones that they showed off. Um, there is a game called Ace of Seafood, which I am going to be describing as a mix between Steel Diver and Panzer Dragoon. Oh, cool! That sounds pretty cool. Uh, where you control like fish and uh, giant crabs and octopus, and you like fight other fish and stuff, and and fight like battleships. Is it on rails? Like Panzer? Um, no, it's the the combat seems to be like more shootery and fast, like Panzer Dragoon, but it seems to be more open, more like Star Fox or Steel Dive or something like okay. that. Okay, um, and it looks really cool. I assume these all are download games, um, and so it's probably not a huge game, but it, it looks really cool and so goofy, and I think it looks really cool. Yeah, it sounds really fun. Um, there's also um, this game is actually, this is also a Western game back in 1995, which is a PC released game. Now, uh, it's kind of a old school survival horror game. It's kind of based on what a game would be like if it was released in 1995 on maybe the Saturn or something. Hmm. So it's real low poly, really low texture. It's kind of blurry and, uh, awkward tank camera or tank movement, okay. fixed cameras and stuff. And it's a game that's kind of set in 1995. And uh, it's been released on in PC so far. And they're going to be releasing on the 3DS. And oddly enough, they're calling it back in 1995, 64 for the 3DS. <laughs> which is weird because in 1995, the 64 wasn't out yet. But I, I see what they're trying to do there. Right. I, don't think it, I don't know if it's necessary, necessary really. Um, there is a new Kerplush game uh, that they showed off, which seems to be even great, more greatly kind of abandoning the whole dropping a stone in a well where the environments are getting really crazy in the trailer that they show off. But you're still still like the following the falling kind of aspect, but it's getting so far removed from that. It almost starts to feel like you're not falling. You're just kind of moving forward. Did you buy the did you buy Kerplush? Um, I did get that game. Yeah, I own it as well. Really tough, yeah. but kind of fun. Um, I, it, it's it's definitely I like the the atmosphere of it of like unlocking all these new different types of objects to drop, like yep. watermelons and uh, those uh, Russian. Oh uh, yeah, the dolls. the stacking dolls mm-hmm. it starts with a D. I can't remember the actual name. Yeah, so those are all really cool, and they just have like some really unique stuff in the first game, and this seems to be kind of building on the goofiness mm-hmm. from the start. Um, I, I'm not very good at them. I probably will get this just because I kind of like it overall. Um, there is a game called Torque L or Torkel, I guess it is, and it's basically you control a box, and on either side of it, you can like shoot off a beam that kind of pushes... Uh, the box in the opposite direction of that box. Uh, uh, kind of like wall. a magnet kind of thing, reverse, yeah. reverse magnets. And so each side of the box is a different face button on the controller. And so you have to like think about what button you're pressing to kind of push the box through an environment to get to like a, a doorway or something. Hmm. Um, it looks really cool, very simple. And uh, I plan on getting that one. There is a sequel to Faerun, which is kind of like Zelda, but you just kind of move into enemies and automatically attack them. Um, I played through the first one one weekend, 
and I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't anything very complex, but it was super cheap, and I had fun playing it. I think I've played that game as well. I think you have. Yeah, I think so. Um, there was a game called Block Legend, which is kind of like, uh, did you ever play Puzzle Quest or any of those? I never played it, but I've seen and heard a lot about all the different you know, ones, uh, many podcasts, Galaxy Quest and stuff like yeah, that. many, many podcasts and many YouTube clips. <laughs> um, okay. Um, this game basically seems to be like that, but more retro art style inspired. That sounds appealing. Yes. And then another one that caught my eye is I'm going to try and pronounce this, uh, Nanny Yugi, uh, Tokoyo, which is a top down shooter that kind of, uh, plays similar to twin B from Konami. Hmm. Um, and has similar art art effects to Twin B in Fantasy Zone, um, where it's just like really colorful and super weird. Yep. Uh, and uh, that game also looked really cool. And there's one other one I don't know the name of it, but it was basically it looked kind of like you were using like fruits and vegetables as um, like soldier units and like trying to take over the like mainland of Japan. Oh, weird. So kind of like risk or something. I'm not, I, I couldn't really tell what was going on in the video, but um, it definitely seems to be like a war strategy game, but you're using fruits and vegetables. Sounds kind of like the the uh, me-based 3DS game. I forget. It's uh, Conquer. Oh, um, oh, geez. Yeah, it's one of the six uh, me-based games. The one where you just collect me's and then like battle with paper, yeah, rock, exactly. scissors. Paper, rock, scissor army style. Um. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it is something like that, but I I don't know. It just it looks really cool, but I don't know what the gameplay is, so I I, I don't know what to say about it. Okay. Um, so that's all the games that are showing off at Bit Summit. Um, you also have. Do you remember when I mentioned that Yacht Games was going to be releasing Azure Striker yes, in Australia? In, in Australia, as a well, as a dual disc or whatever, right? Yeah, they're also going to be doing that in North America. Cool. I've already got the first one, but man, it, that's almost like a collector's item kind of thing. I might have to. Might have to try to scoop that up because I don't have the second game yet. So well, it's not out. I think it, it, it's going to be released. That like double pack can be released when the second game is released. So that's like an option to get it that way. Basically. Okay. Oh yeah, I forgot the second game is leaving now. Yeah, my fault. Yeah. Um. So I, that's cool. Um. In Japan, there, um. There's this new account, a new website. Uh, they're going to be opening up a Kirby themed cafe. Oh. Hmm. That's kind of. It's going to be like all pink and everything. <laughs> I have no idea. All I've seen so far is a really cute website that's got almost nothing on it. Uh, there is a Twitter account that started for it, which I started following. And the only thing that was on the Twitter account was a couple of messages that I did not tr- translate yet. Um, and a cool gif of Kirby swallowing some wooden blocks and Kirby Cafe appearing on a plate. That sounds pretty awesome. So I don't know what kind of cafe this is going to be, if it's going to be only desserts, if it's going to be other foods. Um, is it going to be like tea, a tea shop or something? I, I don't know. But, yeah, I don't um, know either. Hmm. The whole idea of it is really interesting to me. And I'm going to build that on top of some other Nintendo-related news um, where um, there there's some a couple of like interviews with Miyamoto that happened recently. Uh, maybe they're like leftover from E3 or I don't know what, what was going on where Miyamoto felt the need to talk to people or people felt the need to talk to him. Um, but it's, but some interesting stuff came out of it. Um, I had no idea that Pikmin 4 was apparently in development. 
Yeah, I didn't know either. Not, um, not until now. <laughs> but apparently that was known as far back as 2015, which is news to me. Um, I may have completely discounted it because if you remember back before Pikmin 3 was coming out, I had completely discounted that that existed also. Yep. I actually re-listened to that uh, recently. (laughs) Did you? Yep. Um, Yeah, I just just took it as crazy Miyamoto just throwing out stuff that wasn't real. Um, yep. which he, he does from time me- to time. You mentioned that in, it was, I believe, the 2011, maybe the 2012 pre, uh, E3 preview show that we did on the original, you know, our original podcast. And yeah, you complete, you're like, no way there's going to be a Pikmin 3. And it was, I think it was like the first game they announced at that <laughs> E3. It, I, I was kind of on the fence with it. I, I was maybe leaning a, more towards your side, but I still thought there was a chance. So I was a little bit closer, but we were both pretty much wrong. I mean, it was like the biggest <laughs> game that year for Nintendo. Yeah, and it ended up being a very good game. Yeah, I really, really it's like the it. best Pikmin. Agreed. Uh, and what else happened with him? Um, he um, talked about well, – we, I'm going to bring this up because it's kind of correlates with our main segment this, this uh, episode, which is that Miyamoto talked about the creation of the Pikmin and Star Fox shorts – that they released more recently, um, and, and and kind of in regard to Nintendo using their IPs in in some interesting ways uh, that they're planning, um, he had mentioned that uh, he was the only person, or relatively the only person, that, from Nintendo that was involved in the creation of those. Yeah, I knew and that I, about the Pikmin. I didn't know about the Star Fox. So I thought that was interesting at how little hand Nintendo had on those. Just kind of giving them some small direction and then letting the the uh, actual creators just go, which is kind of cool. Um, but it seems Miyamoto basically in, in one of the interviews I read was uh, saying that they have no real goals in making movies, um, but video is definitely something that they're working on. Okay. And uh, And then he kind of added to that that um, they don't really want to do it themselves. Um, they want to work with parties, you know, other companies that they um, that they have a good relationship with to create this kind of content. Um, so I think that's a unique approach. Um, but I mean, I I don't necessarily disagree with it because if you leave it to the experts to do this stuff uh, and just make sure that they're putting out good quality, um, I love the Pikmin shorts. I think they're really good. Um, but it's, and I liked the Star Fox short too. I honestly think it's almost not enough because I would watch a whole TV series based on Pikmin or on Star Fox. And I think either one of them, the way that they did these shorts kind of proved that they could probably make, you know, a couple of seasons of a Star Fox show or a Pikmin show and it would be compelling to me. Yeah. I mean, the only like real show where it's not super goofy like the old school Super Mario Brothers show what well, is uh Kirby right back at you and that's pretty it's pretty faithful to the games although there's even some weird goofy stuff in that I'd like to see a series or you know a movie that stays completely faithful to the games it's not over the top like Saturday morning goofy Mm-hmm. It, it just it, it is what it is, you know. It's whatever that series. Like if it was Metroid, it could be a serious sci-fi, you know, exploration show, or you know, any or Star Fox could be really about them being a team and gelling as a team and learning how to fight in their in their planes and everything. I mean, 
I think you really could actually make they, Nintendo could make some money off of this, and it would make a lot of us happy to watch stuff like this. Of course, um, but they, you know, they're they're definitely working with some new things. They have the whole Vans shoe thing that we've mentioned before, um, and they have that TV or the the T-shirt competition mm-hmm. design competition that we mentioned last week. Um, and I, I hope, since we mentioned a bunch of comic books and manga, that I hope that they're also maybe working with some other people to kind of expand what they have on that front as well. Um, so maybe we'll see some new um, manga pop up. Um, that would be really interesting because there's there's a lot of series that they could um, they could capitalize on that. Like uh, um, just based on like a lot of the cartooniness that you see in, in a lot of the, the cartoons that I've read myself mm-hmm. and that you've seen, uh, like a Federation force comic would probably work really well and kind of further broaden like what they're trying to do with that game and, and draw attention to it that I think would be positive because I mean, all, a lot of these comics are really good. Yep. I agree. Um, and what else did Nintendo talk about? Um, Oh, the other thing that Nintendo talked about more recently uh, was that they are planning on releasing five mobile apps by March. I guess they are planning on doing worldwide releases for all of these. And um, this includes Mitomo, and I assume does not include Pokemon because that's Nintendo-related, but I think mostly like Pokemon Company was working on that. Yeah, I, I read uh, at one of their shareholder meetings that they said they they promised there's going to be at least four more by year, you know, their business year end, like you said, March. So, so I I wasn't even thinking about the whole business year thing and, and, and that being in March. Um, but the March date did stick out to me because that's when the NX is supposed to be released. Yep. And it made me think, well, I wonder if there's going to be something involving – an application going along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're saying that they're, uh, I, I don't know, that'd be really interesting to see if, if maybe there's some kind of app that's going to be involved, maybe a, a storefront app or something where you can buy, um, buy games through the app and, and then have them be downloaded to the system. Or you could talk to your friends through the app um, that you have on the system. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what that, what kind of stuff they have, and uh, if it in fact does kind of correlate with the release of the NX. Yeah, I mean, there's other systems that already do that kind of thing, so it'd be it makes sense that Nintendo would you know catch up here on their next mm-hmm. system, and we'd have full connectivity between all of our devices. Would be I think it'd be really cool. It'd be nice. They've to already be able talked to, about that. Yeah, exactly. It'd just be nice to be able to go on and just like check your stats, and I'd like to be able to just go look at my play log through an app on my phone. Just I'll be like, oh. How, you know, somebody asked me about a game, and I'll be like, I can't remember how much I played of it. It'd be nice if I could just go look that up real quick, you know, while I'm not near my system. And and when you speak of that, I really hope that this next system has the activity log still because I use it all the time. And on the other systems, I it kind of upsets me that I don't have access to like that kind of information on how long I've played a game or yeah. Um, or how many times I've played it. Um, it used to be that nin- the Nintendo channel had even more information mm-hmm. than the activity log, but that's long gone. And I guess they didn't need all of that information stored, I guess. If they do continue it, they need to un- see the problem I'm encountering is I've played so many games on my three DS. Cause I even ran through all my DS games just to get them in my book. I've run out of room. I've had to start going through and clearing out like demos and stuff to make more space. Uh, there, I mean, I think that's due to the base, 
memory on the system yeah. and, and the limitation to that. So I, I, I can only assume that any new handheld is going to have a lot more memory. Hope so. Built into it because memory is getting a lot cheaper nowadays. Yep, definitely. Um, and um, the last bit of news um, before releases, um, Monster Hunter uh, Generations uh, has a free Wind Waker uh, costume for the cat. Oh, cool. They showed off. Um, very nice looking and very, it looks very Wind Waker-y. Hmm. Um, so they did a good job with that one and that's free in Japan. So I assume if it's going to be, I assume it'll be released in the U, uh, like the U.S. version as well. Um, and also free. So that's kind of cool. Um, and then releases, not a whole lot, really not a whole lot at all. Um, on the Wii U for download, Steel Lords came out. This is a game that is a mix between chess and a fighting game. And the chessboard is really basic and not very impressive. And the fighting, the character models are kind of halfway decent, but their movement's really hmm. stiff. And the environments are basically just the chessboard in the background, so not very interesting either. Um, it's honestly a really cool concept. Yeah, that's what I thought when you said it until you kind of down. You said everything kind of sucks <laughs> I, in it. I'm sorry, but it does not look very good. No oh, man. Um, it, but yeah, I mean, it's a really cool concept. It's a shame that they didn't put more effort into it, really. Yeah. Um, and another not so good looking game, Tap Tap Arcade 2, the second of this mediocre series, has come out. <laughs> and uh, in this game, it's separated into two really tiny games. One that's you play as a triangle going down a mountainside, and it's kind of like ski free. From like Windows 95. Oh yeah, I played a lot of that game when I was young. But there's like no jumps and no like not much to crash into other than trees. No and there's no snowman chasing you down the mountains. I was I was waiting for it when I was watching the video. Like, um, and they better have added a, an abominable <laughs> snowman to this, and they did not. Um, and then there's another the other game, and that's called oh what is that game called? It's called like Ski Easy or Skeezy. <laughs> Which, I mean, if it's called Skeezy, that's kind of funny. Yeah, that rules. Um, and then the other part of that game is a game called Volcano. And it's like a platformer, uh, like an endless platformer where you like have platforms falling down to the bottom of the screen. The very bottom of the screen is lava that like kind of appears and disappears mm-hmm. as, you, as you hop up these platforms that are falling. And that's pretty much the whole thing. So it's ch- the lava is chasing you up. Yes, basically. Yeah, which is in like every platform game ever. So they just mm-hmm. they took a little section of. I mean, I'm thinking like Sonic, Mega Man. I mean, there's all kinds of games with that in there. Mar, there's tons of Mario Donkey games. Donkey Kong. And now there's a game just based around it. it it's yeah. kind of interesting. Um, and it kind of looks like uh, Thomas was alone, like that kind of art style. It's just blocks. It's okay. it's not. It's 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 nothing. I would I would recommend it. I'd rather just play Thomas was alone. Uh, quite frankly. <laughs> Yeah. Now, the interesting thing that uh, was released for download uh, yesterday uh, is that for Virtual Console, the Nintendo got two Culture Brain games. Oh, wow. Um, So uh, Baseball Simulator 1000 for the NES was released, and so was a game called Flying Dragon, the Secret Scroll. Uh, yeah, those are, those, those are their two big series. I, when, when I was researching it for, I forget what we were talking about then. When sports. We, oh, the sports episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. Culture Brain for some reason, I felt like when I was a kid, they released a lot of stuff, but really they only had like two or three big series. And 
uh, baseball simulator was pretty much the only one that the Americans cared about at all, from what I can mm-hmm. tell. So this is the version that has the cool like space station level where you where um you can like hit it beyond the wall and there's just nothing out there. Oh, that's cool. And I like I I I assume that you can't fall off when you're a fielder, but it, it's basically just drops off at that point. There's <laughs> stars in the background. Um, and uh, for the 3ds, the only thing that was released was Legend of the Mystical Ninja for the new 3ds Virtual Console. And that's a Super NES game, right? Yes, which is why it's only available on the new 3DS. And I actually tried to play this after watching a Game Center CX on it. I actually ran through and played. That game is really hard. It's really hard. Um, I recommend, if you can, to play it multiplayer. Yeah, definitely. Um, You can do some, like, cool jumping and, like, riding on each other Mm -hmm. stuff. Kind of like uh, The Simpsons arcade game yeah, it kind of reminds me of a uh, chip and dale rescue rangers too where you can okay. kind of pick each other up and throw each other around and stuff but it's on a it's more of a beat-em-up it's more of a shooter slash beat-em-up kind of game you're you're on a 3d plane but you're throwing out you're actually throwing out attacks and stuff and you know there's it's, tons of power-ups it's very similar to um like double dragon or yep. river city ransom there's even like stores you can go into and it looks a lot like river city ransom now that you mentioned it so yes it does um yeah so that's and then for retail the one thing that came out uh, i picked it up is the callian marie amiibo and also the re-release of the older splatoon amiibo and there's a alternate version right there's an orange yeah there's new colors for the original ones um yeah purples wanted to buy them but then i was just thinking like that's stupid so i didn't do it i don't i never got the three pack so i still need the squid so i think i'm gonna go for the orange one because i wouldn't mind having the purple it's purple and i think light blue or the other the newer colors Mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of cool it's good for you to get that because it does unlock some pretty cool like challenge missions for the game and you unlock like a weapon or something at the end of it yeah, so I've got the Squid Boy and Girl. I bought those. I bought the separate ones of those because the at the time you couldn't find the three pack for less than a hundred dollars. Yeah, they were no really way. hard to get for a while, and then they just stopped making them. Yeah, and that covers all the new stuff. Awesome. So let's go ahead and uh, close it out, Adam. Where can people find out what you've been working on lately? Um, you can find me pretty much anywhere as I draw robots. You can find me on Twitter and uh, Nintendo and a lot of other gaming platforms uh, with that name. And um, the big thing is I want to play more Splatoon. So um, if you want to, you can friend me. And uh, if you play that game, if I'm playing, I, I'll try and join you if Brad's not available. And if he is, I can try and get all of us to join you. Definitely. Um, but I know you're really into it right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I am really hyped about it as well. Um, so that's that's like what I'm thinking about right now. Um, I See, unfortunately, when the game first came out, I didn't have regular access to my own television that was hooked up to my Wii U because I was using it as a general living room device for right. when, we play, when we played together. And so I wasn't really able to play a lot of Splatoon when that game came out, and I was mostly just watching other people play it and living vicariously through them. So I'm just excited that I'm finally getting to play this uh, on my own. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's a lot more... We would love to be able to get, like we were talking about earlier, an eight-person match going where... 
we we roughly know who we're playing with, and we can do private matches where we can switch the game type whenever we want, switch the levels. So we're not locked into the same two levels because what I've noticed is you pretty much end up playing just one level over and over and over again, <laughs> and they'll throw the other level in every once in a while to keep you roped in, and then you play the next level 800 times in a row again. So it'd be cool to have more control over what we're doing, but to do that, we got to get some listeners and some viewers on with us because we just don't have enough friends, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you want to find me, it's at Bradley Guys, Twitter and YouTube. Uh, I just put up another Kick and Fennec video, like I said earlier. And um, one of these days, Adam, I'm going to get to making that Mario video. I, I really want to play your levels. It's just, it's hard to find the time, man, honestly. Yeah, it's understandable. I think I just... And going through and editing the videos, I, I noticed you keep mentioning it, and it's funny to me, but there's no rush. Um, they're not going anywhere. Well, it's going to happen because it's always on my list to do, but the, the problem is, is I need at least at least an 45 minutes to an hour usually to record. I make, them, I make the levels too hard. I think you make them awesome, and that's, that's, <laughs> the, whole, <laughs> that's the whole reason. But yeah. anyway, yeah, hit us up on Twitter, or you can hit us up on YouTube in the comments, or even send me a private message if you want. If you want to play Splatoon, or if you just you got some other comics uh, that you want us to check out that we could talk about later. Of course. And uh, anyway, thank you very much for watching, listening, however you're consuming the show this week. And until next time, we'll catch you later.